Welcome to In the Hot Seat with the Tenney Group. I'm Spencer Tenney. It's good to be with you. Today, we've got Ed Burns, president of Burns Logistics. I cannot wait for the variety of topics that we're going to cover today, sir. But before we do that, why don't we just take 30 seconds, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing there at Burns Logistics. Sure thing, Spencer. Thanks for having me on. So Burns Logistics, we're a sales agency. We have a very simple model. Uh, we have a book of carriers we represent and we go get them freight. Uh, so think of small fleets who may not have a, a big sales team. Um, we supplement that and, and help them find direct shipper contacts. I love it. I love it. You ready to heat things up a little bit, sir? I'm, I'm feeling pretty stoked right now, Spencer. So let's do it. <laughs> All right. Right out the gate here. First question, best and worst thing about being in the family business. Wow. You're not kidding, man. <laughs> well, I think the best thing is that I'm very fortunate um, to learn from my dad. He's been in the in the industry for a long time, thirty plus years, um, and we have a great relationship. and And working together allows us to to spend uh, some time together. I mean, worst thing is is sometimes it's tough to shut it off, right? You know, there's yeah. no. It, you know, I go over uh, to my parents' house for dinner. My mom's like, "Would you guys stop?" Uh, so, so that's, you know, drawing those lines can be tough sometimes. So I would say that's probably the worst thing, but it's nothing we can't uh, deal with. You know, it's funny. And uh, you know, I can rib you a little bit because uh, I too come from the family business. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I'm envious of my brother, who's a high school football coach back in Texas, because he and my brother, it's just father and son relationship, relationship. And I love talking business with my dad. But yeah. sometimes it would be nice to kind of compartmentalize, compartmentalize those things because they often, it's almost impossible. Um, it is. For us anyways. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But what about you? What's the, what's the best and worst for you, Spencer? Hey, this is my show, buddy. Okay. Just, just like, like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get, we'll get to that. We'll come back around. So let me come back to, to the sales agency. So, you know, it, especially in this market right now, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's a, it's a little bit uh, different freight market which really elevates the need for um, quality sales professionals. And so, so, so what are the needs in the marketplace as you see them in this, in this type of freight market? Like what are the types of skills for sales professionals that are allowing them to cut through the noise, you know, in, 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 a, in a market where it's tougher to get deals closed? Yeah. I think you gotta be patient. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people are hungry right now and, and they want freight and they want it now and they need it now. Um, but that's not necessarily how this business works. Um, so I think you almost have to be selling to the next market flip. Really, you gotta, you gotta be, uh, you gotta be one change ahead of it and thinking about what's it going to be like then and sell to that so that you're in a position so that when the change does happen, you're, you're ready to, to help solve some pains. Um, you know, we're getting calls almost every single day uh, from an owner operator calling us and saying, Hey, I need direct shipper freight. Can you help me? And the answer is no, we can't because one, you're too late. And two, a lot of these big shippers have fleet minimums, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I think if you're, if you're working in a sales capacity right now, you got to be thinking about what, um, who am I calling on? What are their needs right now? Cause there, there is freight. It's not like it's not out there, but you need to have a service offering. Um, and, and right now you gotta be price competitive if you're breaking into a new account. So how can you ensure that the fleet's running, 
you know, well enough and operating well that, that you can be aggressive on pricing without losing money. Yeah, no, I think that's a good word um, and timely as well. So, so let me just kind of stay there for a little bit. Um, you know, at, at one point, I believe um, if, if I remember correctly, uh, something about your title was uh, around relationships, maybe like VP of relationships. And, I, and, and anyone that follows you on LinkedIn knows like that you're just extremely intentional about this whole process. So I, I'm curious, like how, like, how do you think about relationships? You just mentioned like, hey, if you want to sell this, you got to be thinking about the next cycle. So you're definitely thinking long game. Yeah. But in the context of building a relationship, like what does that mean? Like just walk me through that. Like what, what does that look like? And you know, how does that affect business for you? Yeah. Yeah. So, so relationships are, are the business, right? And so growing up my, you know, I would go on sales calls with my dad and he was doing LTL sales for various carriers. And, uh, I didn't understand it when I was seven, but he was just like, oh, this is a relationship business. This is a relationship business. And so we'd go on sales calls and I was going with him as, as a six, seven, eight year old kid, right? Because the person he was calling on had a six, seven, eight year old kid too. And we'd go to a basketball game or, you know, go do something fun. But it was, it was father son time for, for everybody, right? For the person he was calling on for us. Um, so now I know people who are his age, who I've known for 25 years because I grew up with them. Right. So, um, the one thing that my dad did and I saw firsthand was his customers weren't people with whom he transacted business. They were people who became friends and family, right? So the relationship side for us is like, we're here to help people. Mm -hmm. And if we can make some money along the way, great. But at the end of the day, uh, we're not counting how much money's in the, in the bank when we die. We're, you know, it's how many, how many lives did we impact and how many people did we touch along the way? Uh, so I just kind of grew up in that and, and was fortunate to experience uh, what relationship building really means. And um, it's a long, it's a long-term thing, right? People mm. who you help wind up helping you. Um, so I, I think that's, that's probably pretty important for this marketplace too, is that you got to rely on, on some relationships that have taken time to build. So um, but I, but I think it's getting to know somebody and what they're about and what they believe in and what matters to them and what's their family life. And like, you're not going to cl click with everybody and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe you don't do much business then. Um, but the people with, with whom you, you forge a, a good, long lasting relationship, I mean, you, you find ways to help each other. No, a lot of that resonates with me, particularly the getting drug around to, to sales calls, uh, at a young age. <laughs> I love that. The question is: The question is, did Big Ed, uh, Big Ed, give you a uh, a little cut on on the commission on uh, when you were accompanying him on these sales calls? <laughs> no, no, and you know what? <laughs> I wasn't savvy enough to negotiate that. <laughs> yeah, I um, I can remember taking my son to a little bakery downtown, and and uh, and it was more of a logistics thing. His mom was out of town, and I didn't know any other option. I had to take him to this meeting. And it turns out like he was the charmer of the meeting and, you know, and it just, it, you know, because he was there, he kind of humanized me in a way yeah. that I didn't expect. And, um, so you never know. It just, it, we're all, we're all humans, right? Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. On. So, well, when I was a kid, he would take me, we'd, we'd go pick up these 
huge boxes of pizza from uh, Malone's Bakery, and uh, and we would you know go deliver pizzas on his on his sales route. So yeah, that makes sense. I love it. I love it. Um, let's let's talk about some of your your clientele. Like like what what's the profile of the folks that are you, you know you mentioned like these kind of minimum shipments like what's the profile of the folks that struggle the most to be an effective sales organization in your world yeah so the fleets we work with are typically between 50 and 200 trucks mm -hmm. um so a lot of times the owner does sales and is also in charge of operations and putting out fires right and so you know now we're talking to a lot of them and they haven't worried about sales for for the past two years because freight was a plenty and mm -hmm. it was really hard to not make money as a trucking company. Um, but I think some fleets, some fleet owners forgot to keep calling on people. Um, so, so that, you know, that's definitely a, a piece of it. Um, but I think the way that people buy has changed in the last, um, 20 years pretty significantly. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, there is an age demographic um, when it comes to sales where old school sales is what it is. Uh, it's golfing, it's going out, it's meeting people, and it's spending a lot of time face to face. And typically, not always, but typically the older decision makers are very comfortable in that space. Um, but there are new decision makers coming in at these shippers, right? Uh, and they're young and in their, they're in their 20s and 30s and early 40s, and they're they don't have time for it in, in their minds. They don't have time to go golf necessarily, uh, especially be before they know who you are. Um, and so the way you sell to those people is, is very different. So I think there can be a disconnect depending on, uh, on this, on the sales team. And, you know, I don't want to say that's all age based, but that's kind of the lines that, that it plays along. No, I think I would. So, so, so what would be some of the ways that you're finding with this, new demographic, how do they like to be sold? Or how, yeah, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase that. How do they prefer to buy? Let's, let's put it that way. Yeah, I think they're more comfortable making purchase decisions through, through digital means. They're more comfortable uh, online. They want to hit a landing page and see if your white paper makes sense and resonates with them. They want to see your LinkedIn content and start there. Um, and they're maybe a little more shy when it comes to being at a conference. Mm -hmm. No, I think that, I think that makes sense. So, um, so let's just say like, what, what would you give for advice, uh, for, for folks that are trying to go out and create new relationships or close business? What's the advice that you would give to those that are trying to make a mark right now? Yeah, I think it starts with doing a little inventory, self inventory with, yeah. What am I good at and where's my network strong right now? And wherever you are, you got to build from there. Um, and, and so if you're better at in-person and you like golfing and that's your thing, that's, that's good. That's fine. And that's a good place to be strong in. Uh, but I think it makes sense to start looking into, well, how can I get stronger on LinkedIn? How can I build a presence there? Uh, how can I take my in-person network that maybe is, you know, for some people it's still in a Rolodex and, or, or a stack of business cards. And how can I start going through my business cards and making sure that those people are connections on LinkedIn? Um, and then on the other side, I think if you're, if you're more of a digital native and you're comfortable in that space, that's great. Um, 
but conscientiously working towards uh, taking those relationships that exist online and making them more real and taking time to make calls. Um, you know, old school phone calls, I think are very powerful because they can be quick. I think when we schedule a zoom, we expect it. it well, if it's scheduled for 30 minutes, it's going to be 25 to 32 minutes. Uh, and that's just how we're going to do it, but you can do a lot in a two to three minute phone call. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's so simple, but I think it's a really underutilized tool that we have. Amen, brother. Uh, yeah. I, I believe that a hundred percent, um, you know, so, so, you know, people are more conditioned to get on and off a phone in two minutes, you get on a zoom call and sometimes, you know, it just, it's not the same. So, um, there we go. So just let me kind of pivot a little bit. What, what, what are, you know, one or two industry trends, things that you see on the horizon that you're kind of excited about? I think uh, the technology advancements in the space are, are pretty tremendous. Um, I don't think we've figured them out as an industry yet. I don't think we know the winners yet. Uh, so I think that makes it really exciting. Like what's, I think people are, are reevaluating how they bid, how often they bid, what that process is like. Um, there are a lot of new TMS technologies out there for shippers and carriers. Uh, I don't think that the winners are all established there. Um, and then even, you know, with, with money drying up in the VC space, it's, it's creating uh, a scenario where you have to have something pretty good to win right now. And two years ago was, you know, whatever was your marketing right. good and did it, did it look hot? Um, so I'm, I'm excited to, to see some winners come out in the next couple of years and, and sort of establish um, uh, a little bit more uh, cohesion in, in how we do business. No, I, I think that's well said. I think that these, um, however you want to characterize this, this market, whatever it is, um, the characteristics within it often um, help illustrate who are the real performers and who are behind those performers uh, in, in, in terms of uh, really being elite. And I do think that whether it's technology or whether it's, you know, brokerage or on the truckload, I think like these are the times where you, where, where the real uh, elite performers shine. And so I, I agree with that a hundred percent. So I'm going to come back to the, I told you I'd come back to the family thing. So, so, so let's, so let's talk about this for, uh, you know, a second. Um, you and your dad worked together for a, a couple of years now. Is that right? Yep. Um, what advice, um, so many of the folks that we work with on the M&A side of things, their family owned business. And, you know, there, there, there's always going to be a transition of ownership, either internally or externally that it's inevitable. Like it's going to happen uh, at some point. Um, but business owners really have a hard time talking about that, like within a family. It's, it's a very difficult uh, thing to address. Um, I'm curious. You and your dad, you said you have a good relationship. How, how do you all communicate about not just selling the business or anything like that, but just hard things? How do you communicate about hard things well within a family business? Yeah, well, I think if I figured that out, I'd, I'd be uh, I'd be talking about some different stuff. You know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think you gotta you gotta have you gotta push it, and mm. and I think once you start realizing that you're uncomfortable. Right. You hit a point, I think, in difficult situations where you start realizing, oh, I'm, I'm nervous about this or I don't want to think about this or I woke up in the middle of the night because X, Y, Z is bothering me. Um, you got to You got to talk that you got to yeah. make a time to talk that out. So uh, and we do that 
uh, we're able to push those conversations for us. It's like, where are we comfortable talking about it? So sometimes we got to go grab a beer to talk about it or really be out of the office that we don't have those conversations in the office. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to happen on the golf course or someplace where, you know, we're in a, we're a little more relaxed and we can dive into it and, and, and work through it. Um, and then the other thing is I think you got to have, you got to have help. You got to have a coach or a mentor or a, you know, a smart friend who's willing to challenge you and ask you about the problems. Because sometimes I think before it gets to that point where it's making us nervous, we we're internalizing it and maybe not conscious of what the real underlying problem is. And that's, I think that happens a lot in a family business. Oh, this is a frustration point. I hate how you say this or don't give me direction on, uh, you know, when it comes to follow up or whatever it is, like, what's the underlying issue? Do we need to address a communication problem? Um, are we not aligned on our priorities for the quarter? Are we, you know, are we using a good business system to, to help us understand where we're trying to go this quarter? And are we all rowing in the same direction? Like, those are the things that we keep having to come back to where we created goals and are we executing them for a full 90 days? I mean, we're usually good for the first 30 days, but by day 40, there's a breakdown, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so I think that's, that's where we struggle and, and have to keep coming back to making sure that our, our goals are listed out and that we have a good, strong action plan and are very clear on who's accountable for making that happen. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause whenever we have an issue, it's usually, due to lack of clarity of, around accountability. Yeah. And to be clear for our viewers here, that's not unique to any business. <laughs> that's pretty much uh, universal right there. But a couple takeaways, I hope you don't miss this of what Ed just said is one, get out of the office, like get out of the context of where, if you're going to have those tough conversations, schedule them regularly. Um, and, um, you know, the other part of it is just, like I said, get, get, get in a different environment where you can talk about the right things regularly. I think that those, that's really good advice. And the other part, just to normalize it. If, if you weren't uncomfortable, it would mean that you didn't care. So I think like for other people, like want to normalize this. It's like you're not in business if you're not uncomfortable. Like you're not doing anything. And, and especially if you're a family business and you're not uncomfortable, you're certainly not doing anything that's of note. So I appreciate you sharing that because people need to hear that normalize. Um, so that they can know how to deal with it. So really good stuff there. So I've got one last question for you, Mr. Burns. So a while back, I viewed one of your TED Talks. Um, I'm not sure where you did this talk. Very uh, enjoyed it very much. So so the, the, the 2023 version TED Talk of, of Ed Burns, what, what would be the title of your updated material, things you've learned since that last talk? What would it be? Yeah, I think I would go in a different uh, direction on on the next one and uh, talk about sandcastle living because uh, I think that life and business is, is like a sandcastle uh, because no matter where you build your sandcastle or how big or how beautiful it is, you know that one day it's going to get wiped out. But it's kind of the same thing with a business, right? You can build a beautiful business and you may be able to sell it and it may, it may survive past your lifetime, but in a thousand years, it's still not going to last, right? Yeah. But if you... If you really want to build a legacy, like the most, when you start building a sandcastle, right? In the early morning, people look at you and you're like, who's this grown man weirdo building a sandcastle here, right? 
by noon, they're like stopping and taking pictures. Oh, this is so cool. By the afternoon, as the sun's setting, you see other people down the beach building sandcastles as well. And, uh, and so I think that's kind of like life. If we can build a legacy by through our business and the work that we do day in and day out, can we inspire others in some way to also want to build and do something that's, uh, that's replicable or that other people will want to emulate. Uh, so that would, that would be my topic. I love it. Building those sandcastles, sir. Well, listen, thank you so much for being in the hot seat. Keep building those sandcastles. We'll see you next time.